0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rinald Bannerman's Boyhood by George Macdonald. Chapter Eight: A New Schoolmistress. Recorded by Heather Lambert. But Rinald, my father continued, "What are we to do about the reading? I fear I have let you go too long." I didn't want to make learning a burden to you, and I don't approve of children learning to read too soon, but really, at your age, you know, it is time you were beginning. I have time to teach you some things, but I can't teach you everything. I have got to read a great deal, and think a great deal, and go about my parish a great deal. And your brother Tom has heavy lessons to learn at school, and I have to help him. So what's to be done? Rinald, my boy, you can't go to the parish school before you've learned your letters. There's Kirsty, Papa. I suggested. Yes, there's Kirsty. He returned with a sly smile. Kirsty can do everything, can't she? She can speak Gaelic. I said with a tone of triumph, bringing her rarest accomplishment to the forefront. I wish you could speak Gaelic," said my father, thinking of his wife. I believe, whose mother tongue it was, but that is not what you want most to learn do you think Kirsty could teach you to read english yes i do my father again meditated let us go and ask her he said at length taking my hand I capered with delight, nor ceased my capering till we got on Kirsty's earthen floor. I think I see her now, dusting one of her deal chairs, as white as soap and sand could make it, for the minister to sit on. She never called him the master, but always the minister. She was a great favorite with my father, and he always behaved as a visitor in her house. "'Well, Kirsty, he said, after the first salutations were over, "'have you any objection to turn schoolmistress?' i should make a poor hand at that she answered with a smile to me that showed she guessed what my father wanted but if it were to teach master Renald here i should like dearly to try what i can do she never omitted the master to our names mrs mitchell by no chance prefixed it the natural manners of the celt and saxon are almost diametrically opposed in scotland and had Kirsty's speech been in the chorus dialect of Mrs. Mitchell, I am confident my father would not have allowed her to teach me. But Kirsty did not speak a word of Scotch, and although her English was a little broken and odd, being formed somewhat after Gaelic idioms, her tone was pure and her phrases were refined. The matter was very speedily settled between them. And if you want to beat him, Kirsty, you can beat him in Gaelic and then he won't feel it said my father trying after a joke which was no common occurrence with him whereupon kirsty and i laughed in great contentment the fact was kirsty had come to the same manse with my mother and my father was attached to her for the sake of his wife as well as for her own and Kirsty would have died for the Minister or any one of his boys. All the devotion a Highland woman has for the Chief of her clan, Kirsty had for my father, not to mention the reverence due to the Minister, after a little chat about the cows and the calves. My father rose, saying. Then I'll just make him over to you, Kirsty. Do you think you can manage without letting it interfere with your work, though? Oh, yes, sir. Well, that. I shall soon have him reading to me while I'm busy about. If he doesn't know the word, he can spell it, and then I shall know it. At least it's not longer than... Hockey's tail. Hockey was a fine milker with a bad temper and a comically short tail. It had got chopped off by some accident when she was a calf there's something else short about hockey isn't there kirsty said my father and mrs mitchell i suggested thinking to help kirsty to my father's meaning come come young gentlemen. we don't want your remarks said my father pleasantly why papa you told me so yourself just before we came up yes i did but i did not mean you to repeat it what if kirsty were to go and tell mrs mitchell (laughs) kirsty made no attempt at protestation she knew well enough that my father knew there was no danger she only laughed and i seeing kirsty satisfied was satisfied also and joined in the laugh the result was that before many weeks were over, Alistair and Wee Davy were Kirsty's pupils also, Alistair learning to read and Wee Davy to sit still, which was the hardest task within his capacity. They were free to come or keep away, but not to go. If they did come, Kirsty insisted on their staying out the lesson. It soon became a regular thing. Every morning in summer we might be seen, perched on a form, under one of the tiny windows, in that delicious brown light which you seldom find but in an old clay-floored cottage. In a fir wood I think you have it, and I have seen it in an old castle, but best of all in the house of mourning in an Arab cemetery. In the winter we seated ourselves round the fire. As near as it as Kirsty's cooking operations, which were simple enough, admitted. It was delightful to us boys, and would have been amusing to anyone to see how Kirsty behaved when Mrs. Mitchell found occasion to pay her visit during lesson hours. She knew her step and darted to the door. Not once did she permit her to enter. She was like a hen with her chickens. No, you'll not come in just now, Mrs. Mitchell, she would say, as the housekeeper attempted to pass. You know we're busy. I want to hear how they're getting on. You can try them at home, Christy would answer. We always laughed at the idea of our reading to her. Once I believe she heard the laugh, for she instantly walked away, and I do not remember that she ever came again. End of chapter 8